Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We want to welcome in Jennifer Stefano. So first and foremost, um, as a mom, are you hoping for, are you are you hoping that they'll just let the kids stay home from school and make it a snow day tomorrow? Oh, listen, I, I have a plan to get snow days. I mean, we I wear my pajamas inside out. We flush ice cubes down the toilet. We <laughs> fling ice cream outside. We have a snow dance. I am a lover of a snow day. I am totally against this asynchronous learning where they give the kids work, like just, the kids are so overscheduled, just let them have a snow day. I mean, what a bunch of like fun killers. So yeah, (laughs) I love snow days as a kid and I absolutely love them as an adult. So yeah, but the kids end up, you know, driving you nuts by about 10 a.m. But you know, still, um, (laughs) great, it's fun. I might be the only person in Philadelphia who absolutely loves snow, love it. Yeah. Well, you just hate driving through it, but to your point, you know, give the kids, it's part of childhood. We haven't had, we, the National Weather Service put out that we haven't had six inches of, exactly six inches of snow for well over a thousand days. So they were kind of celebrating that one. It's pretty cool. And it's, it's, it's respectable. It's not like early, earlier this week was kind of low energy, but this is a respectable snowfall. So there we have it. So take me through. So take me through your latest, um, Jen Stefano, as you talk about the, the headline for your piece in the Inquirer today, Can Sherelle Parker Deliver Justice for Philly Kids? And you're speaking right. about Philadelphia children and Parker's truth. Take me through what, what you're writing about today. Well, look, here you have a brand new mayor of, of Philadelphia, and she says in her inaugural, inaugural address, I shouldn't be here. Now, that line was overlooked in, in a lot of the celebration about, you know, what she was going to do, et cetera. But I found that the most interesting part of her speech, because the question is, well, Sherelle Parker, why shouldn't you be here? And what she went on to say in the speech is that um, she was born to a single mother. Her mother died. She was raised by her grandparents. Um, they had to use public assistance. So she was, um, you know, that type of childhood. And what... Um, I said was she's totally correct that especially for black children in the city of Philadelphia who are trapped in failing schools from districts that she used to oversee, that they are, because the reading proficiency uh, coming out of third grade going into fourth is only about 7% for black children, only 7%. So the majority cannot read at proficiency. Um, the statistics are horrifying. They are more likely to end up in, in jail or in poverty or dead. And, and this is not 
This is the data in the United States. And the mayor should recognize this. She controls um, the school board. She can do an awful lot about this. Because even if you are born to a single mother, or even if you are on public assistance or living in poverty, if you have the opportunity to be educated and you graduate, you know, there are four factors to staying out of college. You graduate high school, um, you get a job and you keep a job, um, you get married and then have children, do it in that order. If you do those four things, you are not likely to live in poverty. The problem becomes you have to be educated. And you know, Don, we're not educating children. So my question is to Parker, is she going to do something about this? Is she actually going to make a difference here where she can? Or is she going to do the status quo of the Democrats? And the unions didn't back her, the teachers' unions. So, you know, mm-hmm. she won without them. She could do something. I think it's a great point that you make. And she and, and Mayor Parker is the mom of an 11-year-old son. And so she, I hope that she feels the pain of, you know, per, in a personal way. And I think she does. You can't help it if you're here in Philadelphia. And so ultimately, you're hoping that she does what? So the first thing she has to do is appoint a school board that is not hostile to charter schools. The Philadelphia school board it has just a mission to ruin and get rid of charter schools in the city of Philadelphia when there is at least, at minimum, an 18,000-plus wait list to get into these charter schools, which means parents want them. And, that, you know, 18,000, what's that number? That doesn't mean a lot to people. That, that, that's the Wells Fargo arena during a Flyers game. That's how many people are in there. So think of all those children that are trapped in failing schools, trying to get into a charter school, who are being told, because we have a hostile school board in Philadelphia, nope, you're not going to get the opportunity. And, you know, um, because Mayor Parker did mention her child in her inaugural address, mm-hmm. her child does not go to a failing public school in Philadelphia. Her child goes to a very expensive private school. And I support that. I went to a very expensive private school. My children are in Catholic school, with some, some of them. And mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not mad at her about that. But how dare any of these politicians deny other children the opportunity to do what her children is doing. That's the great equalizer. And I just, I, every, you know, you, you ask name one Democrat in the city that sends their kid to a failing public school. Find me one. Yeah. You'll find Bigfoot before you do that. <laughs> so ultimately, you know, as far as the school board, but also, you know, we've talked a lot about these lifeline scholarships, which the media, it still bothers me that the media allowed some Democrats like Matt Bradford and Montgomery County to portray this as, oh, this is for the wealthy. When in fact, when we read all of, when we read all about that, those lifeline scholarships in particular, you have to, you have to be below a certain level of, of income. In other words, they don't, these people okay. are at the poverty level and that's very strict with it. So take me through what, what could the mayor do just with her with her power of her pen and her pulpit? Well, I would argue she's the second most, one of the second most powerful person in Pennsylvania because she oversees the, the largest city in the state. And Governor Shapiro um, has been on record saying he is absolutely for 
getting Lifeline scholarships got done. Lifeline scholarships would help the 250,000 kids currently in failing schools. Guess what? Where are the majority of those kids? Here in Philadelphia. And I love the Democrats, you know, and, and this is the objection I've heard from them. Well, it's not fair. Um, you're, you're only going to save some, and then it's going to leave the others behind. So, so their argument is this. There's a boat, and it's, and it's sinking, and there's 100 kids on board. Better to let all 100 children drown than to try to begin to save some with the goal of saving all. And if it weren't the Democrats who put limits on it, this, this, would, this wouldn't be a problem. So I find it shocking that that's one of their arguments. Like, ah, well, you know, then their other argument is, well, all, you know, it's all the best and brightest that get out, and, and it's not, you know, it leaves the other kids behind. First of all, again, what's the difference? But second, it is not. It is children that are struggling that are not being served by the schools who parents don't have the money to get them other resources and go to the schools they want. So that's not true. And this obsession by Democrats that, God forbid, a rich person is living in a low-income neighborhood and sending at the moment their child to a failing school, that, God forbid, that person could anyway benefit. So let's just be realistic here. How many wealthy people do you think are currently deciding to be like, I'm just going to send my kid to a failing school with, you know, no good outcomes and violence? How many people? Zero. Have the money and resources to do that. This is a ludicrous mm-hmm. proposition. Is. This is obscene. And furthermore, what do you care if a rich person is helped, if the poor children, if the disadvantaged get an opportunity at life to succeed and get what they deserve and get what we as a society promise them? What do you care if it benefits? Because guess what? The richest guy in Pennsylvania, the wealthiest people can all send their kids straight on into the public system, and nobody blinks an eye, and they eat up a ton of resources there. Nobody's mad about that. So what do you care if if somebody who has wealth or the middle class gets helped by this? And this is the fundamental problem with the Democrats. It is a greed mindset that we have to punish or or keep out, and they're going to let low-income children, low-income children of color suffer not have opportunities at life not learn to read not learn to write be held behind and then they're going to claim when there's not enough of those children going to harvard and college that it's just racism to blame my argument you're to blame because you're not starting in preschool these democrats and letting these kids have a fighting chance <laughs> and so, ultimately- so that's where i'm at well and ultimately i wonder if you know because sherelle parker looks through a different lens, which matters. The fact that she's looking at who she's replacing, Mayor Jim Kenney, you know, in power, all mostly men in power, mostly white men. If you look to mm-hmm. New York, you look to Chicago, men running those cities, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. And does she now say, you know what, I am, I'm, I am going to make a difference and show that women in leadership, and this is, I know this is your skill set as as you you uh, speak. Uh, you're you're a nationally sought speaker on on this topic, uh, Jen, and that is on women in leadership. And so, does a Sherelle Parker say, you know what, women in leadership, mothers in leadership positions, uh, we can make the difference, no matter what the political party and and show her party pave a new way. And so, I I do wonder 
if that's real for her, if that's where she looks at that and says, you know what, she actually could make this difference. And I hope and pray that she she is thinking with that regard. And maybe the comment that you're that you're keying in on, maybe that is something that's in the back of her mind. Well, I said her her speech about her son was very touching, yeah. and it was one I would give, which is. That for all her accomplishments, her number one job is being... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. His mommy, and she said that. She said, I'm your mommy, and I'm, you know, you are my priority. You're the love of my life. And I would, that is exactly what I would say. But what I, I would say is that maybe the difference for her is that, Every other mother who did not and cannot become the mayor of Philadelphia, who doesn't have the money, she loves her baby as much as Sherelle Parker does. She wants, she would love to send her kid to a very expensive private school the way Sherelle Parker does. And, and, and you look, I, I can't give people the same cars, the same houses, you know, all this idea of wealth redistribution, you know, not everyone's going to live and have the same things. But the one thing we as a society agreed on, the great equalizer was we were going to make sure it was equal in giving people education. That's all. The whole civil rights movement was fought on um, was to get the opportunity for black children to not be stuck in schools that they didn't want to be. Mrs. Brown liked her school where her daughter went, you know, the Brown versus the Board of Education. But she thought it was wrong that her daughter didn't have options and couldn't go to the white school. Well, today it's the same battle. And it's that these children don't have options because a government bureaucrat drew, drew a line and said, you go to the building closest to your house, even if it's violent and even if they are not teaching you. And it's much better to get lifeline scholarships, put the money into an account, and let the child go where they need. And I think my hope is that if Sherelle understands that, she will do this for the mothers of Philadelphia. She will seek to make a difference. Um, but, you know, I, I also say... You know, women are not more moral than men. We're different. We're not more moral. We can be just as bad and, and, and what have you. So, but the hope is, yes, there's some sensibility here that as a woman, you know what you would do and the lengths you would go to to get an opportunity for your child. Yes. Okay, we have to talk about this on a lighter note. We'll end on a lighter note, Jen, and that is there's a new study out that asks the question, Who's better at directions, men or women? And what do you think? What do you think? Did you see this? Who's better at navigating? All right. So here it is. 
the the best leaders, okay, and and direct direction following and direction giving is a leadership moment, are the ones who, when they aren't sure, are humble enough to ask for help. Now, Boom. question: which <laughs> for which gender does ask for help and is like, I got this, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's women. So, from a leadership perspective, the humility to ask for help makes women better direction givers. And, you know, the whole women can't drive. No, men can't get out of the way, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I one. I can drive, but if you, if you see me on the sidewalk, then move. <laughs> I, I love your take and your spin. You're so good. Researchers at the University of Illinois found that the strength of an individual's wayfinding ability simply comes down to the way they were raised, but they do say that there's a difference and that, in fact, men and males really are better at, at navigating. That's what they say. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, look, I'm a big believer in science and data, so I'll it, but I still argue from a leadership perspective that women um, asking for help and stopping and, you know, what have you. But, you know, but again... Here's the deal. If, if, when you say the men are navigating, it's in they're giving the direction to another person. And if they're giving it to the women, then women are better at taking direction and getting where we need to go. Hmm. Maybe it's, I don't know. I like, your, but I, love, see, I like the spin. And, and it makes me wonder, like, why are we studying this? Like, what right. great human advancement is coming from a university spending money on this? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. Like, why does this matter? <laughs> it, it, the, the lunacy of higher ed is kind of like this is a hilarious thing and it's fun to talk about, but like honestly, Dawn, yeah, I, I'm not really impressed by American colleges these days. Yeah, it's it's true. I don't know. Maybe they get more clicks. They get you know more donations. I have no idea, but yeah, we can have fun with it. My husband yeah. always my husband always says that I'm very consistent when it comes to directions because if he says which way do you think we should go if we're turned around or whatever and we don't have wi-fi and we can't do the you know directions and i'll go okay i'm i'm thinking turn right consistently you want to turn left that's how bad i am i'm hor i am horrible with directions as that far as fun. navigating <laughs> see i was a cub scout i'm a cub scout lead, so i feel like you know i got some skills there you know i'm maybe in my my like little orienteering with the scouts and you know finding things although the compasses still vex me but still you know, I can figure it out. And also, maybe I just want to leisurely stroll driving around. You know, you turn it into like a Sunday drive. <laughs> well, what's up next for you? What are you, other than the, the inside out pajamas and the snow day tomorrow, what are you working on coming up next? Yeah, well, I'm heading on to Fox News right after I get off with you. We're going to be talking about that. Um, apparently, Philadelphia has decided not to pay uh, for its homeless shelter. Yeah. But our homeless shelters, like, you know, you kind of have. If we were going to have a welfare state, making sure you're handling homelessness would be like a key part of it. So what what is the nonsense the city is doing with some of these more inane, you know, these DEI initiatives and all that's what paid for? Mm -hmm. Like, just focus. Homeless, they don't care. Like, their color or their race or their ethnicity, they're homeless. They're struggling. It's drugs. It's mental illness. And you have all this money dedicated to it. And now you've suddenly run out of the money and you're not going to pay for it. Like, this is a problem. Yeah. Although it's probably because we don't have the laws like New York, where you have to give people all of these benefits, housing, food, everything like New York has. 
I guess you could argue that it keeps away uh, the flood of folks coming to this country illegally. They're not coming here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is why. Philly's a sanctuary city, declared Mm -hmm. itself once. And and that's one of the other things. Your job is to be a sanctuary to your citizens in your city that voted or self-governed and voted to have a welfare state. And this is why I fundamentally think private charities are much better at addressing these issues. But I, I would say you have to take care of your own people. Like, if, if, you know, if you can solve these problems, you know, you can think about letting we're in. But this is, this is just classic um, where the government is so wasteful mm-hmm. of our money, yeah. gets all these programs, doesn't fund them, and doesn't fix or solve the problem. I mean, where's the biggest homeless problem than the open-air drug markets in Kensington? And it is unclear um, that anything's been done with that money, any movement forward. But I agree. Sometimes offering too much help, and this is some addiction specialists have said this, too much help to addicts actually keeps them mired in addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing to confront. But Yes, indeed. So what time are you coming up on Fox today? So we 1045. Can, 1045. All right. We'll be, wa- I'll still be on air, but I ha- I'll put them, I'll make sure the monitor's up so we can watch you and, you know, we'll all support, support you. Everybody support. And how do people follow you on social media? I'm on X slash Twitter at Jennifer Stefano. Jennifer Stefano. We'll see you <laughs> on Fox in 15 minutes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.